As we started this year, I felt like in my life I needed a fresh fervency and urgency in my prayer life. And so we're kind of walking through what I've been learning about prayer uh, this year. As we think of our series, We Care About Prayer. I was reminded of a story that's given in 1 Samuel chapter 30. David has been on the run from Saul. He has escaped to the land of the Philistines, but there in the land of the Philistines, Achish, the king of Gath, has basically said, David, we don't want you to help us. We don't want you to to join in our army. We're afraid you might turn on us, and the people are afraid. And so David goes on a 50-mile a journey with his mighty men back to the city of Ziklag where he has set his family and left his children and all of the livestock that was kind of home base for them. And as they come back to Ziklag, they find that the Amalekites have stormed the city. They have burned the city down to ashes. They've taken all the valuables and they have kidnapped the women and the children. And it's a time of great, utter desperation for David and his men. In 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse number 4, it says that these men wept until they could not weep anymore. Absolutely broken and desperate. And then in verse number 6, it tells us that David was greatly distressed at this time as well because his own men, his own mighty men, thought maybe we should just stone David. They were just so angry and their emotion was so raw. And it says this in 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse number 6, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And as I began to think about that strength that David experienced in his life, I thought, that's what I want. I want to be able to have a prayer life and a scripture life that I can find strength in the middle of whatever I face. Now we fast forward just a few weeks and we find that our nation is in the midst of a crisis. Besides the people who physically have gotten sick, there are hundreds of thousands of people who have lost their jobs. Finances are very tough. And some of you today might find yourself in the place of a crisis. And as you do, there is strength to find in the Lord. But one of the things I find and have found in my life is that my prayer life is not where I want it to be. And so today, as we think about strengthening our prayer life and, and finding that dependence upon God and coming to Him with adoration and a desire to connect with Him, I pray that we'd be encouraged. We're going to look in John chapter 15. We're going to look at a couple of verses here. In John chapter 15, verse number 1, it says, Jesus says, I am the true vine and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, He prunes that it may bear more fruit. And then down in verse number 5, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Would you take a moment, and as you're gathered, maybe you're with your family, but would you just take a moment and pray with me? And Lord, would you teach us to be people of prayer, that we could find strength in the Lord our God. Speak to us today, change us today, 
in your name. Amen. Jesus shares this message of John chapter 15 with his disciples in the upper room just hours before he is arrested and ultimately crucified. They are about to face the crisis of their life. The one that they have lived with, the one that they love, the one that they know, the one that they trust is about to be arrested and crucified. Their life is going to be radically changed. They're hitting crisis mode. Life is desperate. But Jesus gave them the picture of abiding in him. And he challenges them to live with this attitude and this heartbeat of walking with him by faith. He also, in John chapter 14 through 16, has many verses on prayer. Down in verse number 7 is one of those of John chapter 15. But he gives them a message of prayer and he gives them this challenge to abide in him. And again, some of you are walking through a crisis today. Life is desperate, but God is faithful and he will provide strength. So as I begin to think about my prayer life this year, I came up first with the word desperation. That's what we talked about last week, being desperate for God and coming to a place where we know that God will hear our prayers. And last week we looked at 2 Chronicles seven fourteen, where it says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. When we think about that word desperation and coming to God as one who is facing a challenge or facing a crisis, or maybe there's not an overwhelming crisis, you just want to get closer to God. So you come to him with a cry of desperation. He says there's four sure ways that we can know that he'll hear our prayers. This is what we have to do. We have to humble ourselves. Before our prayers can get high, we need to be low. We need to humble ourselves. We recognize that he is the master. We're his servant. That he's the potter. We're the clay. That he's the shepherd. We're the sheep. We humble ourselves. Then we pray. We pray. We cry out to him. We take those prayer promises that are given in the scripture and we call out to him. We humble ourselves, we pray, we seek his face. Not only do we seek God's hand and say, God, just get me out of this, show your mighty hand, provide for me. But Lord, we want you. We want to know you more. We want to walk with you more intimately. God, we want your face. We want you. And we want you to look at us and search us and know our heart. And then he says, and turn from our wicked ways. Turning from wicked ways and turning from their wicked ways meant that they had to swing a a 180 degree turn. No longer were they going to live with a sense of rebellion and selfishness and self-centeredness. Instead, now they were going to turn to God and, and walk in his way and walk in his direction. And in 1 John chapter 1 and verse number 9, it tells us if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we start and we approach God with this sense of desperation. He's the answer and we come humbly before him. Then the second word that really spoke to me was the word adoration. Adoration, that picture of adoring God, of recognizing uh, that, that God is the one that is worthy of our worship and worthy of our praise. Here in John chapter 15 and verse number one, Jesus says, I'm the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. He's the one 
who ultimately sets everything in place that our God is sovereign. So we have to recognize who God is. Our God is sovereign. Our God is over all. Our God is all powerful. We recognize who God is. He is the creator and sustainer. Psalm 34, 1 says that I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. And that picture of, of heart of, of praise going out because of who God is, the creator, the sustainer. He is the life giver. He is the promise keeper. That's who our God is. When you think about the character and attributes of God and who God is, what what do you think of? Maybe for some of you, you think of his mighty power. Some of you think of his love or his grace or his faithfulness or his mercy. Maybe for some of you, you think of his patience. I don't know. If you're sitting and, and maybe watching on Facebook Live right now, maybe you could type in one of those characteristics or attributes of God that that most reminds you when you think of his name of of who he is and and what he does we recognize who God is but then we also recognize what God has done what God has done we look back at his faithful works we look back at the record of scripture and we see how God guided the children of Israel all through the Old Testament. We see how Jesus worked with his disciples and we see how God brought the church into being through the work of the Holy Spirit. We remember what God has done. And we look at our own life and we remember what God has done, how God has has brought us from sinner to a saint, how he has brought us out of sinfulness into salvation. We remember what he has done. And then we remember that God is in control. That's a place to pause today. Amid the coronavirus, amid numbers of people losing their jobs, amid the struggles that you're facing, amid the grieving that might be going on in your heart, can I tell you today, God is in control. Psalm 115, verse number 3, reminds us that our Lord, our God, is in heaven. He does what He pleases. We don't always understand what that means. But we do see and understand that in Romans 8, 28, it tells us that God works all things together for good to those who love Him and those who are called according to His purpose. See, God knows everything about you. He knows the deepest thoughts in your life. And he knows the number of hairs on our head. We recognize who God is, what God has done. We recognize that God is in control. And then that spurs us to a place where we adore him. We give him thanks and we give him praise. Psalm 100 verse number four says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. When we see who God is, when we remember what God has done, That gives us that cry to say, God, you are worthy of our praise. When we recognize that our God is in control, even amid the challenges and the storms of life, we remember this is the day the Lord has made. And so we rejoice and we choose to be glad in him. When you think about how God has worked throughout history, but more personally, how God has worked in your life. What are you most grateful for and what are you most thankful for? 
What has God done? I think of my life and how God saved me and how God brought my wife Julie into my life and how God blessed us with children and how God's provided for our needs and how God has taken us through uh, the health challenges and, and myself facing cancer. It gives us a reason to give him thanks and give him praise. Our God is good. So what is it for you? Maybe you want to put it on Facebook Live. Just say, I thank God for, or I praise God for. I praise God for his great power. I praise God for his faithfulness. I praise God for his patience. I praise God that he saved me. I thank the Lord and bless him for my family. I thank him for taking care of all of my needs. See, we come to that place of desperation where we set ourselves low and then we adore him and say, God, we exalt and praise you and we want to set you high to give you the place where we praise you and we prize you and we take our focus off of self and we say, God, I lift my eyes to the hills because I know my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And as you look through the book of Psalms especially, we see all the great names and pictures of God, how he is our rock and our refuge, how he is our strength and our shepherd, how he is the most high and how he is the God, how he is God almighty. When we think of the greatness of our God, it brings us to a place of adoration. So we move desperation to adoration, we set ourselves low, we set him high, and then that third key word that has just, again, changed my prayer life this year is the word connection. Connection. As I humble myself, as I set him high, then I say, Lord, I need, I desperately need to connect with you. And that brings us right to John chapter 15. Jesus in verse number five says, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit for without me, you can do nothing. The word abide from verse number four through verse number 11 is used 10 times. It gives the picture of remaining in or staying around, uh, keeping our focus Set. It's a relationship with a deep focus, with a constant remaining, with an abiding in him. I need to stay focused. I need to stay close to Jesus in my life. And so I pray to abide in Christ. That is my prayer. In connection, I pray, Lord, Help me to abide in Jesus, to remain focused in him. As you look at these verses, there's some things that happen when we stay focused and abiding and remaining in Jesus. It tells us in verse number five that we are going to bear much fruit. That, that if we want to do anything that is going to be of eternal value, it's going to come as we abide in him. In verse number seven, it Abiding in Christ is the key to effectiveness in our prayer life. He says this, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it will be given to you. Amazing that as I abide in him and his words abide in me, it's going to bring more effectiveness in my prayer life. Then we see in verse number nine, 
As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. I abide in Christ. He strengthens my prayer life. And he tells me, abide in his love. Stay focused on and connected to that love of Jesus in your life. Some of you, as you go through trials, you might be uh, tempted to question whether or not Jesus really loves you. Friend, we are in the, the season that demonstrates the love of Christ. God sent his son Jesus to die for you. That's how much he loves you. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, John 3, 16. Romans 5, 8, God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Now he says, abide in his love. Abide in it. Then he not only tells us that that uh, we're to abide in him and bear fruit, and as we abide in him, our prayers will be more effective, and we can abide in his love. But then notice that that next uh, verse, verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Abiding in him is going to help us to walk in obedience. And as we walk in obedience, it's going to, to help us to remain uh, constant and abiding in him. It's essential in our life. But then we also notice verse number 11. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Through the challenge and the struggle, the Lord wants you to experience his love and his joy. Circumstances may not be joyful, but there's a deep inner sense of peace and love and joy in my heart because of what Jesus has done. Several years ago when we lived in in Mississippi, uh, we had a pin oak tree and that pin oak tree had a branch that hung too low and I had issues mowing around it. So I decided instead of calling someone for help, I just decided I'm going to run to the store, buy me a handsaw, and I'm going to cut this branch off. So I went to the store, bought a handsaw, and I am uh, sawing through this uh, tree branch. And I'm about two-thirds of the way through, and my time is gone, and my energy is empty, and so I have to leave it. It's probably two-thirds to four-fifths of the way through. It's still, there's enough on it that it's hanging there, and now I'm I'm busy for the next couple of days. So it takes me uh, probably three or four days to get back to it. And when I got back to the branch, this is what I found. The branches that were once green were now yellow, or the the leaves that were once green were now yellow and brown and falling off. Why? Because they had lost their connection. And as I sawed that branch the rest of the way off and kind of set it to the side, over the next few days, those branches became brittle. What we find in the physical realm of a tree branch, having to stay connected to the tree. It's true in our spiritual life. As a vine, we have, uh, Jesus is the vine, and we as his branches have to stay connected to him. A tree branch has to stay connected to the tree, and we as his branches have to stay connected to the vine in order to Produce spiritual 
fruit, in order to experience his love, in order to experience his joy, in order to find that secret to a secret to effective prayer. It's all about abiding in him. So I pray, Lord, I I pray today I will abide in Christ. Then I also I pray for the filling of the Holy Spirit. Back in our point under desperation, where we humble ourselves, pray, seek his face, and turn from our wicked ways, that's my time of confession of sin. I confess my sin. I turn from my sin. Instead of, of just letting that go, then I turn that back around. And in Ephesians 5.18, it tells us, don't be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. I pray that the Holy Spirit will fill me. I have to pray this every day because throughout the day, it's so easy for me to get in the flesh. It's so easy for me to, to have uh, selfish or sinful thoughts. And so I pray every day, God, would you just work fresh in my life and give me uh, the filling of the Holy Spirit. And I say, Lord, move in me. I mean, move in every room of my heart. Lord, Move in every nook and every cranny and, and Lord, sweep out those corners and Lord, take the, the cobwebs out of the, the upper corners. God, move in my life and Holy Spirit, take complete control of everything that I am. Lord, move in me and may your spirit fill me. I don't know about you, but growing up in our kitchen, we used to have a junk drawer. Did you have a junk drawer at your house? You know, in the kitchen, you have your utensils and all those kinds of things, but our junk drawer might have uh, some tape in it or some paper clips or a dust rag or some old batteries, uh, just things that you just might need every once in a while. We used to save those bread ties in case we lost one. Uh, so, so our junk drawer, and I say, Lord, take all of my life. Lord, if, if I have a junk drawer in there, Lord, clear it out. I pray that the Holy Spirit would fill me, fill all of me, take everything. And then I not only pray that I would abide in Christ and for the filling of the Holy Spirit, but I pray for God's favor on my life. In Luke 2.52, it tells us that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. As Jesus grew, he grew in favor with God and man. And I want to walk in God's favor. When we think about God's favor, we think about uh, his, his love, his kindness, his blessing. I'm not talking some, there are some that preach on TV that his favor is, is all financial and, and we're going to be uh, all healthy and we're going to be completely wealthy and you're going to have this kind of car and live in this kind of house. I, I don't think it has to do anything with that, but it's just that divine compassion, God's blessing. His work on my life and work in my life, his hand over me. In Second Chronicles 16, 9, it says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the, the earth uh, to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. And that's what I want. I pray that my heart would be loyal, that I'd be abiding in Christ, and that I would be filled with the Spirit so that that he could show me his strength, that he could show me his love, he could show me his compassion, that his blessing would be on my life. As we journey through difficult days, as we walk through challenging times, I want you to know the Lord is here. The Lord is at work. 
the Lord is seeking your heart to draw closer to him in this challenge. So would you pray? Come to him with a sense of desperation and humility and say, Lord, you're God, you're the boss. And then a sense of adoration as you lift him high and then pray for that connection, that you would be connected to him. And listen, when you walk through the challenges of your life connected to Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit and with the favor of God, you're going to find that challenges are real. Physical challenges, financial challenges, they're all real. But you never have to walk them alone. I'm praying for you and praying for your family. I'm praying that we would walk in God's favor, be filled with his spirit, abide in Christ, that we would stay connected to our great and mighty God through this season of challenge and this season of change. If you have specific prayer requests and you'd like for someone to pray with you, you can uh, write that in the Facebook post or you can uh, go to our church website and you can click on one of the staff names. You can uh, have that opportunity to share that prayer request. We want to pray with you through this challenge and through this season of difficulty. But most of all, all of us can't be there 24-7 for anybody. So you need to know how to pray yourself. Over the next few weeks, we're going to continue. And we're going to talk about how to pray for yourself and how to pray for others as we walk through this series on We Care About Prayer. I do want to encourage you again next week. We're going to look at the prayers of Jesus, three in particular. Two that are shared when Jesus is on the cross. One that shows that Jesus is praying for you now. With that, I want to take a minute and pray for you. And I want you to know that the Lord loves you, that we love you, And that uh, through his grace, by his strength, we're going to make it through. And I can't wait uh, to see our church family again. I can't wait till the choir and orchestra are in place and the band is in place and we get to see each other again. I'm longing for that day. But until then, uh, let's stay connected to the Lord and stay connected to each other. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for your love and your mercy and your grace. And Father, you know the needs that each person has, and I pray that you would meet them. God, thank you. You are so good. You're so gracious and kind. Thank you for meeting our needs. Thank you for walking with us through our challenges. And Lord, for those who are hurting and discouraged today, Lord, would you show them your grace? In your name, amen.